0: Hi, I'm Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason podcast. And what you are about to hear is a segment called Playing With Problems. It was originally aired as the Playing With Problems podcast and is now officially folded into the Dream Mason podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Success is a broad term that carries only arbitrary meaning. In Western cultures, we often attribute it to money, fame, and power. But money without joy, peace, love, spirituality, and health doesn't equate to a great life. Often, it equates to a miserable one. Hi, I'm Alex Terranova. As a business and life performance alchemist and coach who's coached hundreds of successful people, I have learned the secret to a great life is about creating a life you love the experience of living. It's not about how much money you make, how big your company is, how many abs you can count, the boat you own, the models you've slept with, or the trips you've taken. A great, successful life feels good. It's the result of choosing your purpose and living with commitment, integrity, love, play, and faith. Each week on Playing With Problems, I will sit down with one successful person. They might be successful in money, love, leadership, health, spirituality, or maybe they're thriving in various areas. And we'll explore who they are and what they've accomplished. But every podcast does that. What makes this podcast unique is we'll also dive into and play with the current problem they're experiencing. See, there's this cultural myth that makes us believe that once people are successful, they don't have problems. We all have problems, and it takes a courageous person to share theirs. The show isn't about listening to a problem that's been solved. Our guests will bring a vulnerable issue they are currently challenged by, and we'll work and play together to get clarity, answers, new perspectives, ideas, and maybe even a solution. I invite you to experience these conversations as if they are about you. If you listen and watch through yourself, your relationships, finances, fears, challenges, successes, and problems, these conversations could change your life. Welcome to Playing With Problems. Hi, and welcome to Playing With Problems. I am Alex Terranova, your host, and I'm really excited. I'm, I'm just going to say it. I didn't know if I was going to do this on this first episode, but this is the first episode. You know, I was, I had thought about before this, am I going to say it's the first episode because what if I don't release them in order or what if there's something wrong? And I think when we're starting something, we just got to dive in. We just got to jump in and embrace that this is the first one. And I think even just sharing that with the audience and letting you know, not from a like, give me your pity, or your sympathy, but letting you know, hey, we just started. This is the first one, and I hope this is the first of many. I've done so many podcasts, whether it be the Dream Mason Podcast or the Coaching Show Podcast or the Frequency Shifters Podcast or a podcast I used to have called Flip the Lens and being a guest. That's it's it's interesting how even though I've done so many, I'm a little nervous to start this one, and my guest today knows this is obviously she's listening right now. She, she knows that we talked about this before. She was a little nervous. Uh, she being the first guest, this podcast is obviously a little different than most podcasts. So we're in this together. You as the audience, you're in this with us now. You. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to this. And as you listen to this show, the, just the one thing I want to remind people is try to listen to this show as if it was your own life. So instead of listening to me or my guests as like what we're dealing with or what we're talking about, see if you can hear through the lens of your own life, look at your own, the challenges that you're struggling with, be it, uh, you know, financial or family or personal or health or, or wealth. What can I see for myself? Um, my biggest motivation in creating this was not only for me to be able to support people on this show as the guest, but that the ripples of that, that we're all actually dealing with really similar things. And that if we can hear someone else talk about it, we can see it from a different perspective and maybe we can gain insight into our own lives. So with that, I'm going to introduce our very, our very first guest on playing with problems. So she is a former lawyer, she is now a spiritual teacher and coach and she works with high achieving women helping them heal from deregulated nervous systems, codependency and addictive behaviors to create highly satisfying and spacious and prosperous lives. She's also the host of The Skeptic's Guide to a Spiritual Life. She's a mother of two and she's married and I just want to say thank you Megan This is, I should, I, let me just say your full name. This is Megan Smith. She's our first guest. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being, you know, brave and vulnerable and willing to just throw your hat in the ring and, and be here with us today.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. I love the concept of this. I love the, you know, there's so much pressure, especially as a coach, I think to look like you have all facets of your life figured out. Um, and so more and more, I'm just so excited to talk about the facets of my life that are not figured out, <laughs> um, and give myself space and grace around that. And for me, this is one of the ways to do that is just to talk about it in a really normal way. Cause it is normal.
0: Yeah. I noticed a lot of the first people who wanted to jump on here with me, a lot of them were coaches and, yeah. and, and various, some were health coaches, right? Some were legal coaches, the, the, the spectrum but what I loved about seeing that happen, because on a lot of my other shows, I don't interview coaches. It's not on the coaching show I do, but on a lot of the other ones, it's, I'm not with coaches. What I love is a lot of coaches relate to being a coach as being a leader and being a leader huh. as being a coach. And to me, if you're not willing to be vulnerable and you're not actually willing to show us who you really are, you're not really a leader. Yeah. So. Totally. Let's start with, I, I really want people to, to get a little bit about like who you are before we jump into like what's going on. So I always ask people to, as they're setting up with me, you know, what makes you successful? Why is Megan Smith successful in her life?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, I'm going to start with, I'm not going to go all the way back to the beginning, but I'm going to start with <laughs> becoming a lawyer, you know, like that's kind of the beginning of my professional journey. I actually didn't become a lawyer until I was 31. I went to it late in life after I had another career. Um, And even then, like my other career was very successful. I've always been very successful at what I do. My very first job when I was 13, I think I got my first job at a fast food restaurant. I was promoted to manager by the time I was 14 and I was the youngest manager they'd ever had. (laughs) but they were cuz they were like this chick no like we can trust this chick like let's just give her the keys to the store. <laughs> so that's always who I've been. I've always been somebody you can trust. I've always been somebody who got it very quickly, who could deliver exactly what was needed very quickly. So that's part of who I am. It's also part of why it's so embarrassing or like there's a lot of shame around the parts that I can't get, that I feel like I can't get. So, but that's for the next part of this conversation. So, um went to law school, top of my class. Uh, I went to, I can see now that I went to law school because I was trying to prove that I was good enough in the world and doctors, lawyers, a couple other professions, maybe I held as this sort of top echelon of people that if I could get into that group, then people would finally understand that I was worth something, you know, obviously I didn't know I was doing that at the time. Uh, so I did that, right. I got top of my class. I got A great job in a great city in Vancouver. Great job, I'll put in quotes. Um, looked great on paper. Yeah. Total nightmare for me, uh, and for a lot of people. But um, I was smart. You know, I was smart and knew how to play the game, I knew how to talk to people, that whole thing. Um, that made me very, very, very miserable. And I got pregnant while I was in my first year of practice. And while I was off When I left to go on mat leave, so I live in Canada. This is an important piece of the story. In Canada, you get a full year off when you have a baby. Legally, your employer has to give you a full year off. So I took that year. And in Canada, a lot of your employers pay you to be on leave. So my employer also paid me $30,000 while I was off on leave for a year. The catch was if I didn't go back, I had to pay it back. Mm. So come the end of my year, I... I knew the whole year I didn't want to go back. So I saved the money. And then when the day came for me to go back, they almost had me and they almost reeled me back in. I set a date to go back. I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. And then pretty much like three days before I was supposed to go back, I pulled the plug and I was like, nope, I can't do it. I'm not willing to put myself through a year of this misery. That's something I'm very, very, very proud of. And to me and my current life, I consider that like a massive part of my success. Being willing to listen to myself about that, being willing to trust something, being willing to pay back $30,000. And more importantly, like leaving behind an identity I just worked so hard for was huge, 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 huge turning point in my life. Um, Fast forward to becoming a coach, you know, coaching is a very hard industry to succeed in. I don't know what the stats are. I could make them up, but it's like a very, very, like the amount of people who set out to become a coach, do their training and actually you know, grow successful businesses is pretty low. Yeah. Um, you know, I signed up for a coach training program. You and I have done the same one, as you know, in month one, they're like, go out and get a paying client. Um, most people don't not this gal, (laughs) this gal had a paying client within the first month, you know, like just from the beginning clients, I had clients that they were paying me, they were seeing success. I was getting great feedback. Uh, I'm a good coach. You know, I'm I'm really good at what I do. The same skills that made me really good at that fast food restaurant make me really good at coaching. I pay attention. I see the details. I see people, and also extremely empathetic. Um, so essentially, within the first three years of having a coaching business, I had replaced my income from my last legal job. Now during those three years did not feel like I was having success because it, it, you know, it was terrifying. You know, I left behind a job that was paying me very well with benefit um, to basically making nothing. Uh, it was terrifying. So, you know, I tell this story and I, you know, I used to listen to coaches tell stories like this and I'd be like, Oh my God, like that, you know, it sounds like it was so easy for them. Like they had, and it wasn't, it was very, very, very difficult. <laughs> But I, I persevered through it. And it's part of my success was like getting all the support I needed continuously to keep choosing it over and over and over and over again, because every month, predictably, I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to go get a job. <laughs> I'm just going to, I still do that probably more like every six months now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to go get a job.
0: I, I want to, because you, so you just hit on a, a bunch of, you told us this story, but as you were telling it, I was writing down these things that I noticed. Yeah. trust. Delivering and executing, being smart, self-trust, um, attention to details, being supportive, looking good on paper. Uh, there, there's there's so many things. Some of these things, it feels like you hold as that's what makes me successful, right? Yeah. Looking good on paper is is was like one thing. But then on the other side, one trust or sorry, delivering and executing kind of goes with that. Like yep. looking good on paper. Yep. And then there's the things like self trust and, um, you know, like choosing in service of you. Mm-hmm. How do you define success? Like, what are you measuring these things based on?
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, Well, so I think I do hold two different definitions, right? I think there's like, I'm going to really simplify it. I think there's the traditional, you know, mainstream is not quite what I mean, but mainstream definition of success, right? Which is like independent, you know, like in western culture, success is like leaving the nest and being able to support yourself. Um, being able to take care of your basic needs, you know, and then some, right? Like that like you are an independent adult who knows how to function in the world and uses their full potential. And this is something I hear a lot from my clients, right? Like I'm not using my potential if I don't blank. So that's how I was holding it, and to, cert- to a certain extent, still hold it that way. But my, the definition of, of success that I now am intending to live inside, and I don't know it was due perfectly, but is a fulfillment of who I actually am in the world. And it's ex- being an expression of who I actually am in the world as much as possible. Mm. and I want the end I still think that those sort of like material things that flow from that are part of that for me is that that ultimately leads to a financial and material level of comfort and I don't know what that level is like I can't give you necessarily what it is for me even well I probably could if I really thought about it but that there is a, a certain level of material comfort to me that that is part of that definition of success, but mm-hmm. only if I'm expressing myself to get it. Like, sure, that's yeah, that's a necessary ingredient.
0: Yeah, it's like one without the other, exactly. Count anymore? Do you yeah. think you had to have this societal success first to get you to the this like what's called of your evolved success? Could you do you think it's could you have done it the other way?
1: I don't, I don't think I could have, maybe somebody else could have for sure. You know, I think a lot of the time I, like I, I always, I actually talk about, so I also do 12 step work, which is another part of my story, which is really important to me. But I often in that, when I'm in that world, I speak about going to law school, getting the top of my class, getting the best job as my bottom. Like Mm. for me, that was the bottom that I needed to hit was to achieve all of that and realize how empty it made me. And that, like, none of that actually got me what I wanted. I needed to see that all the way to its end, including spending, you know, $100,000 on a law degree and then walking away from $30,000. Like, all of that was part of me getting that that wasn't going to get me what I wanted.
0: It's that's such a, I love how you showed that. The thing, how we're, how your sorry, how others top, right? Others pinnacle of I've made it. Yeah was your rock bottom in a way?
1: It was my bottom because it, it it showed me the disparity between who the world thought I was and how I felt. And I was like, this is great. I, everyone thinks I'm awesome. And I feel awful and lonely and invisible. And it, like Gap was so big and painful that that was my bottom.
0: Well I love it. It's to me over here, like that to me is your biggest, that's what makes you successful, right? Is yeah. that you especially in the world that we live in had the courage and the faith in yourself and, and your family and the support structures you had that you would follow, that you would go against the grain
2: yeah. right?
0: and pay back that money and leave that stuff, yeah. that quote unquote stability um, and all the achievements yeah. because it actually wasn't, you know, fulfilling or satisfying you and I both as coaches know all the clients we have that hate their jobs or even people that are unhappy in their, in their marriages Yeah, that, and I don't mean unhappy, like, Hey, I want to be here and it's not working. I mean, I, I need, I should be leaving. I yeah. never should have been with this person that don't have the courage to do the thing that, you know, their heart or their soul or their desires calling for because they're trying to do the right thing or the thing yeah. that they should do.
1: Yeah. Cause it feels scary not to, you know, it really does. And a lot of it's tied up in our parents, our relationship to our parents, I find, you know, like it feels like a betrayal, but yes, all of that to say, I am incredibly proud of that. I'm so, so, so proud of that work. And like you said, like, it's part of what makes me a really good coach because I've walked through it. You know, like I, when I say to my clients or when I hold the space for my clients to make a really bold decision. I'm holding it from a place of I've done this. I've done the thing where I've basically walked away from everything that i poured into. And I walked into the void and had no idea what was going to happen. It took a lot of risks. And I'm so, so proud of that. And, and it's, that was the thing when I stood on the precipice of like, am I going back to this law job or am I going to walk away? The two things I thought were, one, a year is a really long time to be miserable. What if this is it? What if this is my last year on Earth? I'm gonna trade. I'm gonna. I'm gonna sell it for thirty thousand dollars. No fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> and two. What would I want my my What would I want for my daughter if she was standing at this press fit? She was one at the time, and I thought if she was standing here, what would I want for her? I would not want her to go. I would tell her like, you're gonna be fine. <laughs> like, go and do the thing you love. None of this matters. None of like, it doesn't matter. I know it feels like it matters, and it doesn't. Um, And so those were the two things that I chose from. And it was so scary.
0: Do you think there's a few attributes that had you, like, or how could you define those attributes that had you be successful? And again, success in this is like being able to choose Mm -hmm. the path that you did. What made that possible?
1: (sighs) Well, I mean, I want to, I think... a a lot of privilege and like, you know, yeah, like, you know, even though it was scary and it felt scary, I also had, ultimately I knew that if I, I was an employable person, I'm an able-bodied, you know, normal quote unquote, normal person. I could walk into any place and get a job at any time. So I want to acknowledge that, you know, that I really like I have a massive amount of privilege behind me, um, that, that cushioned that a little bit, but I think, I don't know. I kind of don't know. Like, I think it's, it's, it, in some ways I relate to it now that I do more spiritual work as a spiritual push, like that it would, that I had some spiritual force behind me because I didn't, I, 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 it's easy to describe it now as this, like, you know, there was this turning point and it was really clear and I chose, and it was really messy and really hard. And so I think I had this like spiritual force behind me that was sort of pushing me towards this decision. Um, and I think that I also think that I have this streak in me that's a little bit, um, rebellious maybe, or like, I like, if there's something I take pride in about like doing things different than everybody else, as much as I also wanted to sit in with everybody else, this piece of like, it's kind of cool. Like I kind of knew it was a bit rock star and some much at the time to be like, I don't need this. Like, look at you suckers at this law firm and I can like walk away and do my own thing. So kind of a combination of those things.
0: So faith and trust
1: <clears throat>
0: and capable. Yeah. Right? I would say those that gave you those totally. were attributes. Also, I love that you put in that piece about privilege in the sense, because there are so many people that have as much privilege or more than you that still don't make the choice. Yeah. So if we were speaking with someone who didn't have food, air, shelter, water, like couldn't feed their family or their kids, this would be a different conversation. I, I talk about this so often that I'm not talking to that person,
2: Yeah.
0: right? And I think a lot of people that will be listening to this, that's not their situation. A lot of people listening to this conversation are people that are, have become lawyers and doctors and very successful and going, this isn't working for me. Yeah, And yet they don't, a lot of them are not making it. So there's, there is something to say about um, just because we have privilege doesn't mean that we still do. Most, most of us, especially in westernized worlds are still not making that choice. Yep. Um, can we turn a little bit? Is there anything else you want to say about your success before we transition into looking at
1: I do want to say one more thing. I do want to share a little bit about 12 step work. Cause it's a really important part of my story and it's going to play into what we talk about next. So yes. the other thing that I'm really, really proud of um, is I, so I, I, I do 12 step work a for codependency um, what I call chaos, creating, controlling, fixing and an addiction to adrenaline. And I've been religiously, part of that fellowship for about two and a half years now. Um, and I do, I work that program. Um, I'm also a recovering food addict. And in the last year and a half, I have lost 125 pounds.
2: Oh
1: yeah. And I've been overweight my whole life. And so this, like, to me, this is the culmination of like all, a lot of the work that I've done over the past five years to me, starting with that decision to walk away from law is like the foundation it's all built on. Um, It's like really unraveling my, my disease. Like a lot of this, a lot of this, I, I, I relate to my, to my, you know, lawyer work and all of that as part of my addiction, Um, my, you know, workaholism and all of that plays into it. So, um, you know, I'm living a recovered life and that's a very, very important part of my story and something I'm really, really,
0: really proud of. Hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Can I ask you something about that? Yeah. Does the, you described it as chaos, like an addiction to adrenaline. Yeah. Um, and then the food piece. Yeah. Almost, almost like separate, like yeah. they're together, but they're separate. Um, how did that, pl- how does that play into the life? Like what's, what are the through lines that connect Right. If you're being a lawyer and you're like, I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But then there's these pieces of your life that are not what you're right. You're not supposed to be a food addict. You're not supposed to be totally chaos oriented. What's the connection?
1: Um. Well, I'm going to answer what I think you're asking. You can tell me if I've missed it, but it's well, that was part of the disconnect. Right. Is like here I was this success and I was numbing how miserable I was with food and alcohol. Yeah. Um, but I was also, I also chose a career that fed my adrenaline addiction. So I, my entire, I actually wasn't using food that much during law school because I was so high on adrenaline all the time. Um, using adrenaline to power myself through exams and studying and all of that. So actually my food and my alcohol addiction weren't all that rampant Mm -hmm. during law school. But then when I got into the practice of law, it was just like so elevated. And so it was like, I I use adrenaline. Um, and that's really simplifying things, but I use adrenaline, I use shame, I used um all of that stuff to like motivate me through being a lawyer through a work day. And then I would medicate that with food, alcohol, whatever. Um, and just in this like vicious cycle. And and then there was this disconnect between like I have this really great life on paper, and here I am, like eating myself and drinking myself into a super you know like yeah um so that that's the that was it's all part of it you know yeah
0: Yeah, they compensate right for each other i've um i was just reading about and i'd heard this but i hadn't really looked into it i was just reading about how sometimes um women specifically will create food addictions or gain a lot of weight because of like sexual traumas and things that have happened has this, it's like this psychological protection mechanism. Right. Like if I'm bigger men, I won't, I won't be like prey essentially to men. And I I had heard that before. And it's taking, right? We have one problem, which is this fear, which is a very real fear. Very much. And and then we create that new problem gets created. And that's what I it's it's not the same, right? But it it there's a parallel and you had a one problem that then other problems got created out of
1: yeah totally and i mean that's how that's how to me that's like how almost every addiction starts right it's like it's it's uh we start forming our addiction when we're young most of us experience some form of trauma whether big t trauma or little t trauma when we're little and then we start building on top of it and like you said yeah we sort of like take one problem and then like create this bubble around it that also creates another problem
0: yeah well thanks for sharing that is just as we touch on that before we skip over it is there anything that you would want to share with people who identify as Mm. you know addicts
1: Well, yeah, I think what I'll share about is just my own experience of like having someone not that long ago, you know, proposed to me that perhaps I was an addict. Um, and at once feeling very sort of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? not offended by that, but I was like, not me. Yeah. And also feeling like, thank God someone sees me, you know, like. I don't know. I've gone from and I remember going to one of my first meetings, and it was an all-addiction meeting. So there were sex addicts, heroin addicts, you know, you name it, people are at this meeting. And I remember saying to my coach after going to that meeting, like, I I don't relate to these people. Like, my life is good. Look at my life, you know? And she was like, consider how it's actually worse for you. And that question, I think about it all the time because it isn't worse for me. It's not worse for anybody or better for anybody, but that's kind of the point. Is like looking at like, oh, my addiction is invisible. Nobody can see it. Um, And that's so lonely. Like, I'm not saying it's better to have heroin addiction because everyone can see it, (laughs) but it's also not worse, you know? So what I would say to people is, oh God, there's just so much freedom in relating to yourself as an addict. And it's just a context. I'm not saying, I don't even know if food addiction is a real scientific thing. There are lots of people who tell you it is. There are lots of people who tell you it isn't. It doesn't matter to me because when I relate to myself as a food addiction, when I say to myself, I am powerless against this substance. I don't know why. I don't know the science behind it. It doesn't matter. I know I'm powerless. I get all of my power back in the rest of my life. If I can admit that I'm powerless against that and hand it over, it's just like, oh, it's so good. I love, love, love recovery work. It's so powerful, but it takes, it takes, it's, it takes something to admit that powerlessness because we want so much to be in power. And we feel like power, having power over ourselves is success. Having willpower using our will, we think is success. It's not, we actually have very little power and very little will.
0: This is a great spot. First, thank you for, for all that, for sharing all that, all the, right. Like I didn't. I didn't know how much how deep we were going to go into your addiction work and what you've overcome, but also really sharing the connection between you were living this life that was so successful in so many ways, and we didn't even you're you're married, right? Like you're you're having kids through this whole process, yeah. Um, you know, achieving on a outward professional space, and then having the courage to like, I this isn't working. I'm going to create you know what I want for myself. Um. And the thing that we just got to is like, you surrendered to so much of your life you surrendered, you know, in, in the career you want, you surrendered to food or addiction. So now we're here and what are you currently struggling with or challenged by or want to look at?
1: Yeah. So one of the, one of the areas, um, I would say the main area that I that I hit my head up against the wall on a lot is in my marriage and um, it really isn't. So I told you this before we started recording, but I'll say it here for the listeners. Like before I came on this podcast, I said to my husband, like, I'm going to go on this podcast and I'm going to talk about how I show up in relationship because you know, I wanted to share that with him. I thought it was fair that if I was going to go say all this stuff, he should know about it,
0: you know, probably, probably a smart move.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, and I also think that speaks to the nuance of this because in many ways we have a, you know, I felt comfortable bringing it to him. It was a little bit vulnerable yeah. and I felt like he could hold it, you know? And I said, like, I'm going to go talk about how I show up in relationship. It's not about you because it isn't about him. It's this is about how I show up. It wouldn't matter who I was married to. This is how I would be showing up mm-hmm. um, because it's my stuff. So it really, and he, he was like, yeah, of course, he's very supportive. He's like, go and talk about it. He's like, maybe I'll learn something. Um, he's like, it'll be instructive for me because the thing I struggle with is my avoidant attachment style. Um, if anyone is familiar, most people I feel like are familiar, if they're listening to this podcast, probably have some big, you know, idea about attachment theory. Um, and I'm an avoidant. I, I cannot, it's very hard for me to let love in. Especially romantic love, um, it's something I want more than anything. you know, we all do. That's all anybody wants is to feel love, you know. And I really struggle to be open to that and and I've and I and it it's hard it, and it's hard to be able to see it. Yeah. this is the thing this is the thing about addiction, too, right? Because you can see it, and it's so hard not to be able to change it, especially when you're a brilliant woman. Who has like willed her way through a lot of stuff. I can't will my way through this. Um, so I show up and my relationship is like pretty closed off, very righteous, quite controlling, um, as my default. And that's and not how I want to show up.
0: So you kind of show up like a lawyer. Yep. I <laughs> I I I find and I'm I'm joked for you lawyers out there. Obviously not always true, but I I've worked with a lot of lawyers. I've dated lawyers. Yeah. And what I notice when I'm in those relationships or even with those clients is it triggers my righteousness. Yeah. It triggers my like wanting to perform. It triggers my get all in my brain. Yeah. And not in my body or in my emotions or my feeling. Um, You also told me right before we started that you just had this breakthrough conversation or awareness conversation where you were gonna actually stop trying to work on your marriage. Yeah. But now we're so but now we're here.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So we just came to this at the end of that moment where we talked about all these things you surrender to. And then actually right before you got to this call, you not right before, but in the days before, you decided to surrender in your relationship.
1: Sorta, of, yeah. Which feels like, well, it used to feel like giving up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought it was. So so I've been working with a coach one-on-one full-time. This will be my fifth year, I think, four times a week. So basically like 48 times a year, 48 hours a year times five. I don't know what the math is on that. It's a lot of hours of coaching. And in our work, in the way we were trained as coaches, you know, we have projects, right? And so I have always had a marriage project on the docket. Yeah. Since the moment I walked into coaching, I was like, I'm a shit wife. I'm, Mm. you know, I show up like a total fucking asshole in my marriage and I don't want to be that way. And so it's always been there. It's always been there. like I suck. And this is how I'm getting emotional about it because this is how I do everything. Right. Like I suck. Let me fix myself. And this is part of what. Well, so so part of my addiction is fixing and controlling, including myself first and foremost, myself, right? Like totally addicted to like finding what's wrong with me
2: and then trying to fix it. Um,
1: And that's like when you're doing that, it's really easy to do that outside of the context of a relationship um, because you you can be under the illusion that you do have some control when you're not in relationship with other people. But getting married and having kids <laughs> gives you absolutely nowhere to hide. Like, you can't just walk away and be like, oh, I didn't want that anyway. <laughs> like, no big deal. You know, like, you're in it. Um, so all of that is to say, like, I, I've i been working, trying to be better, for trying to fix how I show up in a relationship for five years now. Um, and. I have made massive strides in how I show up, I'll, you know, 100%. Like if it weren't for coaching, if it were for recovery, I'm certain I would be divorced. Certain of it. Like no question. I am crazy. <laughs> um, so I've, I've really like, I, it's not that I haven't made strides in this area because I have, but I still don't show up the way I think I'm supposed to be showing up. And instead of continuing to try to close that gap between where I am and where I think I should be, I've decided just recently to say like, to actually accept where I'm at and love myself where I actually am and how I actually show up in a relationship right now, because I can't help it. It's one of the things that really drives me the most crazy about the coaching world is this narrative of like, you you can't control anything, but you can sh- control how you show up. It's like, actually, I can't some of the time because I am a slave to my nervous system and I'm a slave to my my attachment style a lot of the time.
0: So I'm, cu- I'm curious about, again, we, like you said it perfectly, it's not about your husband. Yeah. This is really you, but I'm curious if... if... I made you leave right now and we sat your husband down Yeah, and I asked him about you and I said, Hey, what, how is she as a wife and a partner and as a mother? Yeah. What do you think he would say?
1: He would say that I'm a wonderful mother. He would say I'm actually a really wonderful wife and that I'm really close off and that he wished that he could have more of me.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that he would but And that he wants that, right? Like that he wants more. Probably. Totally. Yeah. So My husband adores me. Yeah, and what I, what I heard you just to, to say like a second ago too is like I'm crazy, right? You yeah. you, and I don't know that most people would be like I want more of that, <laughs> right? Like you actually want more, which is ironic, right? You're describing you. There's like these two. I know. I know you have a, a you have this a podcast that's all about spirituality. So let's talk yeah. about it. Like your dark and your light, right? Yeah, your light is like so faith and trust and this desire to be your best self and not your best in the old way, yeah. but in, in a way that actually serves you. And then there's this dark side, which I think you and I would relate to. It's not bad. No. It's more just like the things that we don't pay attention to, the things that we're not aware yeah. of, the yeah. habits, the behaviors, the patterns that are that are unseen. That is kind of like, I need to do better. I need to do more. I'm not doing it right. So, if you're open to it, I would love to kind of hear from both of them. Yeah, that could be that could be fun and interesting. Um, Yeah. So, if let's start with like your dark, you did it a little bit, but like if the darkness, if I was just talking to Megan's dark side, Mm -hmm. what would she what would she uh, say about your marriage?
1: (sighs) Um. She would say that I'm a selfish piece of shit that I only care about myself that i um that I'm mean one of my one of my like fears about myself is I'm this like really mean, ugly person mm. so that I'm like really mean, really vindictive i know I know like just the right pain point to hit like um manipulative um that i that i'm controlling and then if and then if i don't get what i want i use emotional manipulation to to get it and then that makes me a piece of shit and almost like bordering on like i'm an abusive spouse like when i'm at my like darkest i'm like oh this is i'm abusive this is what abuse this is emotional abuse that's what I tell myself in my darkest moments and and I tell myself in my darkest moments that my kids would be better off without me
0: when you're in the the dark part of you or you're relating to yourself as like the dark Megan yeah how does it feel
1: oh it's like so painful it's like so painful and lonely. And it's like, you tell your, you, know, you tell yourself like, I'm the only one who feels this way. Right. Like, it's like all this lie about like, it's just so lonely. Nobody else feels this way. Like I'm this monster, you know, it's so painful and lonely. It's, it's like, I, that's like, I have this urge to leave. <laughs> like I would never leave my kids. I am a good mother. Um, I know that's like the light part, right? We're staying in the dark for a minute, but like, I would never leave my kids. There's no part of me that's ever going to do that. But in those moments, I understand why people do because sitting in the pain of how you're showing up when you don't want to show up that way is excruciating.
0: And I I mean, I imagine I don't have kids, but I imagine even the, just the thought of it. Yeah the shame that it would induce that like oh. a mother who thinks my kids would be better off without yeah. me or that I should. Yeah. leave. So then it becomes yeah, like a whirlpool where you're just getting pulled closer and closer. Totally. to Totally.
1: The- totally. Cause it's like, well, what kind of monster would want to leave her kids? Right. We're so conditioned that like a good mother is like so devoted to her kids. And, and so yeah, totally. So it's just like shame on top of shame on top of shame on top of shame.
0: Which is also something that no- rarely we hear about. Yeah. Right? We rarely hear about mothers feeling like this, you know, and, and being so hard on themselves and judging themselves and, and not actually just being okay with, you know, right. Like they can't have a feeling or a thought it's like, then has to go your <laughs> levels further. <laughs> totally. um, okay. So what if we could talk to the light? Yeah. And I don't know if you need to like, take a deep breath and put your feet yeah. on the ground and
1: But it's actually I have quite a bit of access to that part of me right now um the light is like I am exactly who I'm playing out exactly what I came here to play out, right like this is exactly who my higher power my like God put me here as all of it, and my the light can see that there is no um. It's too simplistic to say it this way, but I don't know how else to say it. Like, there is no right and wrong. Like, there is no wrong way to show up. This is, this is exactly how I am. And it shows up for me. I can see it more with my kids than I can with my husband, because it, it feels like my husband um, chose me in this lifetime. But my kids chose me spiritually, right? So, like, I can see that, like, they chose the exact right parent for them spiritually. Before they even got here, and and this is like the contract they signed up for. It's a little, like I said, it's a little bit harder with my husband because I'm like, he chose me from his programming. Maybe I worry that like he chose me from his own. Like he chose, he basically chose to marry his mother. Sorry if you're listening to this, Ian's mother, but like,
0: <laughs> wait, hold on, wait, hold, hold on a second, because we have to. I can't let you go past this without. Yeah, yeah, sure. How come? As this, I couldn't necessarily ask this to someone who like who doesn't have a spiritual connection to. Or a spiritual relationship? Yeah, how come you and your husband couldn't have made this choice from a totally. spiritual place and chosen yeah. each other?
1: And that's and for my lightest, I do believe that. I do believe that like we chose each our spirits chose each other. you know there, there's something for both of us to learn from each other that you know and there's nothing wrong. It, there's nothing wrong with us playing out our childhood wounding on each other. I think that's the part that I get caught up on, especially if I spend too much time on social media. Um, is like, it's bad and wrong to be playing out your childhood stuff on your partner and you got to go figure it out so that you can like show up clearer for your partner, which I don't disagree with necessarily. It doesn't help me where I'm at right now, which is like actually making it okay for however I show up and however he shows up and to, instead of practice, like I'm getting this wrong, I got to go figure out how to get it right. Actually accepting and loving myself exactly how I'm showing up. And exactly how he's showing up, and exactly how it's manifesting for us, and not making it bad or wrong, but just making it how it is. You know, so I do think we did choose ourselves. But my it's it, my what I'm reflecting is that my ego has a harder time with that one than it does with my kids.
0: Yeah, I'm imagining too, <laughs> This is going to sound funny, but like, if you as as some if somebody didn't if I as well, as somebody who doesn't have children if I was like, Oh my God, I can't have kids because I'm going to play out all my crap on them. So I'm going to go pretend to be someone else's parent So I can like practice and work it out. That doesn't really make any sense. And I hear that in with your, with your husband, it's like this idea that you shared social media and other things. It's like, I should be working on my own crap and then show up to him. Perfect. Yeah. And over here I'm listening and I'm like, no, it's it's like avoiding the game to just do practice all the time. Like your husband <laughs> is the field in which you two get to work out your like yeah. your greatest achievements in a way. Yeah. Right? You get to work out and practice. And he sounds like a pretty great guy in the sense that he would uh, right? allow you to not I, I shouldn't say allow it's something right I would, but he would be supportive of you being here.
1: He has a lot of space, yeah. which is why he's perfect for me in many ways. Like He has so much space. He's just an easygoing guy. (laughs) Like, and that, and, but in my dark, I'm like, oh, I'm taking advantage of an easygoing guy. You know, like I can push him around, like all of that. Right. That's the dark though. But the light is like, oh, wow. Like my soul chose this man who can actually hold all of this. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know what to do with it. (laughs) You know, like that's okay. It's not his job. He doesn't need to know what to do with it, but he can hold it. He can hold a lot of it. Yeah.
0: Well, if we look back at how far you've come, yeah, and then the thing you just write, the light says there's no right and wrong. Yeah, my soul chose this. And and you've just prior to this conversation decided to surrender to quote unquote working on your relationship.
1: Yeah.
0: How would the light direct you forward?
2: <sighs> um <clears throat>
1: How would the light direct me forward? Do you mean in my marriage in this particular area? Yeah. Well, the light is directing me forward to radical self-acceptance, um, which is kind of like, you know, buzzword these days. But it really is like, like when I, I think I understand what radical self-acceptance is intellectually until I bump up against the, the next way that I'm just completely fucking shitting on myself. And I'm like, Oh, that too. Shit. Like I have to give up that. Like, and this is, this is where I'm at with this. Right. And like, I really have been, I, I can see now that I've been resisting, except I thought I was accepting myself as I was, but I wasn't, I was shitting on all the ways I was showing up on my marriage. But I thought that was self-love, right? Like, I thought it was self-loving to beat myself into wanting to be better.
2: Mm.
1: Um, And so right now the light, the light is directing me to like really accept all of me to really accept all of me, no matter how I show up every single day. So at the end of every single day, this is a, this is kind of a 12 step thing. The 10th step is like essentially, you know, you take inventory of your day and up until very recently, that inventory was like going to the principal's office for me. You know, it was like, let me look at all the ways I fucked it up today so I can atone and say, I'm sorry. Um, And now I notice ever since I actually handed this thing over, or maybe I handed it over because I got here. I don't know what, I don't know chicken or the egg which came first, but I'm showing up to it as like a loving practice of like, oh, how do I get to like love myself? What do I get to forgive myself for today? What am I, what do I really love about myself today? Which is stuff I would have had written down before, but I wasn't actually internalizing it. I wasn't actually going there. Um, so that, that's where, what I'm being called to right now. Um, it's just that, like, how many layers deep of, of acceptance can I go on this?
0: It's just kind of like, I don't know, I think, you know, as a coach, sometimes we get like hits, a little mm-hmm. tap into things So for a second, if you'll indulge this curiosity, like, I'm curious what you get from the darkness.
1: Well, it's really comfortable for me there. Um, One of the things that I learned (laughs) in food addiction in particular um, is I thought, like, I thought I would have surmised that I turned to food the most when I was down, sad, triggered, all of that. What really surprised me was how much I wanted to turn to food when I felt joyous, like the discomfort of sitting in joy. I
0: can totally it, relate.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's so uncomfortable for me. Um, so the darkness is just safe and comfortable. You know, it gets like, it get It's a place where I can stay, where I don't have to put my heart on the line, where I don't have to, like, put myself out there to be ridiculed, to be, um, you know, where, where if people might, where I can't control the narrative. I can control the narrative of, like, I'm this, like, piece of shit, you know, because it, it, then, like, if people think that, I'm like, yeah, I know. I already know that about myself. Nothing, like, you can't tell me, you can't tell me that. Right. So it's it just, it's really like a controlling the narrative of who I am so that people can't think stuff about me that I don't want them to think.
0: Do you get anything in the relationship or from your husband when you're in, when you're in that, mm-hmm. in the dark?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I think it's
1: just more control. I'm trying to think, like, I get to not be understood. Um, you know, I get to be like, you don't understand me. So it just gives me another, like, leg up. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh,
0: for something that really resonates for me, when you said the food thing, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, when I'm, like, busy and overwhelmed and stressed, like, food is so unimportant. And because I have like tunnel vision and and something to like work on and when things are great and whatever, then I'm eating like disgusting. Mm. And um, I think in the same way, like it'll create some chaos and then the food makes me feel better for a minute. Right. So, and, but then it makes me feel worse again. Mm -hmm. But I think inside of when I look at that, if I take that same idea and I look at my relationship, when Mm -hmm. I'm, when things are actually great and fine, all have moments in my relationship where I'm like, I'm not a good enough partner. I'm not providing enough. I should be better. I'm going to disappoint her. I'm going to disappoint our kids eventually. <laughs> and what I noticed was, what I get was, well, look, I get to do the same thing as you, right? I have nothing to lose in that, right? Because I'm already in the rock bottom. But what I ultimately get is, because I have a great partner, she shows up and is like, no, you're brave and you're brilliant and you're courageous and you're creative. And I know you'll never let me down. And I know that we're in this together. And if you never are anything more than you are right now, that's still who I want to be with. Hmm. And so then I get like all this love and um, affirmation and acknowledgement. Yeah. So in my darkness, I'm creating. Yeah. And one might be like, well, why did I have to create the darkness to get? I could have just asked her why she. So yeah, it's like I didn't
1: reflect me why you love me. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think. Yeah, you know, I had this knowledge. Um, you and I both know Christopher McAuliffe and on a on an AC training call, I think anyway, he he asked a question like, something like, "What did you have to do as a kid to get love?" or something like that. It's kind of what you're saying, right? Like, and I had, I I was in the middle of my fourth step for the first time in, in um, 12 step work. And the fourth step, if anybody's done it, is a fucking doozy. Like it's, it's where you look at all your resentment, you know, you like, you just look at all of the ways you show up and it's really gnarly. And Christopher asked this question and I, I had, I don't really have panic attacks. It's not something that I do. And I like I went and had a little, like, I couldn't breathe. I was like, because I could see, I was like, oh, I think that I needed to go to that dark place. Like I needed to like, I, you know, I needed to cry. I needed to like, um, I didn't know how to say, like you said, I didn't know how to say like, Hey, I I really need some love right now. Right. I had, I had to like go to that really desperate place. And it it really like I have I think the the panic I was having about that was like how much shame I had about that that I didn't realize like how like how that's bad and wrong because I should be able to ask for my needs to get met, even though nobody ever like I didn't learn that and most of us don't, you know. Um yeah. So I think I think there is something to that. Like I don't know how to get my needs met, don't know how to get my needs met, don't and there's like this deficit of needs until there's like until you're in the breakdown and then like somebody has to meet you there (laughs) like if you're in a marriage it's like well okay shit like what do you need right so I do think that it is a way that I get my needs met because I don't know how else to get them at
0: so from the light if we can yeah what would the light say about getting your needs met in your relationship
1: oh god um Well, that it's a practice, and that the gradient at which I am available to practice is probably a lot lower than I think it is. Right, so like at first, I'd be like, "Well, I have to like go and ask for all my needs to be met, and I just got to go and do that because I, you know." first I'm going to learn what they are. And then I'm going to ask, like, I would try to like, you know, put it in this perfect box. And, and it like, that's a pretty steep gradient for somebody who's gone their whole life, not knowing how to get their needs met. Right. And so if I sit in the light of it, it's like, you know, like tender loving, probably starting with like, my own curiosity about what my needs are rather than needing to share them with anyone ever, you know, like really just like, if all I did for the next month was checked in with myself once a week about like, Hey, what do you need right now? What are your needs? Like that would probably be the gradient of practice at which would be loving and supportive and nurturing.
2: You
0: want to take that on?
2: Yeah.
0: Like a once a week check in. Yeah. How do you want to do it?
1: You know, um, there's this set of questions that I love and I've actually gotten out of the practice of them, but I, but it seems like a good time to ring back there. Do you have the Mary O'Malley questions?
0: I don't. Please share them. Um, Unless it's like a (laughs) hundred questions.
1: Four. It's only four.
0: Okay, go ahead.
1: So it's in this moment. What am I experiencing? Uh, For this moment, can I let it be here? I can send these to you after. Um, for this moment, can I touch this with compassion and in this moment, what do I need? So one of the, as I'm saying that one of the practices that I've been doing a lot lately, I have a daily practice of like meeting with my six-year-old self Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and just like sitting with her because ultimately all this is, all any of this is, is a six-year-old who didn't know how to get their needs met and is like doing what they do to having a tantrum, right? And so my practice is like sitting with her and just being like, hey, what's going on? Or like sometimes just sitting with her because she doesn't want to talk, you know? Um, so as I'm t- saying those questions, I'm like, oh, I think I've been doing that with my six-year-old that I haven't actually been asking her what she needs and like listening for an answer and seeing if I can give that to her. So, I think like incorporating that next step of like, "Hey, what do you actually need right now? Do you know you know do you, like do you know what you need um and and making that inquiry, so I see sort of an in folding that into the mix of my daily practice would be pretty cool
0: beautiful is there any because you brought that that your six year old your six year old self in I'm curious if there's anywhere that you could get either needs met or practice with your kids, Mm
1: -hmm. not
0: for them, but for you?
1: Oh, that's a good question.
2: (sighs) It's interesting because like right now I,
1: Yeah. I am actually right now, pra- like practicing with them, like, oh, it's so hard. It's like, ugh. this, this is a codependent thing, right? Um, This is like, we are not responsible for other people's feelings is like a, a good swing for me away from codependency, right? Like we are not responsible to make other people happy. And from that place, that can also become like dangerously independent, right? And so it's like, how do I make my kid not make my kids, how do I support my kids to not become codependent with me and make them responsible for my feelings, but also teach them that I have needs and how to have like an, a, a beautiful interdependent relationship where they can take into consideration my needs or like, how do you take into consideration someone's needs, and how do you be in relationship with somebody without fixing them or saving them or owning their stuff? It's a doozy. Um, so I think for me, um, I have been like, oh, Ma, like mom needs a break right now. Like I notice my, I notice that I'm really overwhelmed by all the noise, and I need a break right now. And that is so uncomfortable for me. <laughs> like, oh, like I, they are gonna think that they suck. They're gonna think that they're too much. You know, all of my like programming about how to be a good mom shows up, right? Like, I—I sh- I shouldn't make them responsible for my feelings. I—I I shouldn't make them feel like they're too much. I shouldn't make them feel like they're not. An, like, all of that comes up, and I'm just like, I have to stay in here, and I have to like not show them that they're getting to me. You know. Um. Anyway, all of this is to say it's something I'm kind of already practicing, but I think your question brings up for me, like just being a little bit more out loud about it. Like I have a need, like even using the word need, like, Oh, I I have a need for this right now. Um, and inviting them to support me with it. Like, could you help me with that? That's the thing I don't do. I'm just like, Oh, Triggered, got to go in the bedroom and breathe. Mommy will be right back. But I actually don't invite them to support me. And I don't know what would be appropriate and what wouldn't. Like, I, you know, i have yeah. to think about where that line is for me. But
0: I'm so present to thinking about my childhood and how I don't remember my parents getting their needs met at all. Yeah. Now, they may have, right? I'm a kid. It's I didn't see everything. But what I remember is them working them doing grown-up things, like making sure our lives worked, right? Like keeping the house, like planning things, taking care of us, our sports, our homework, all our things driving us around. And then I remember like normal relationship fights, Mm -hmm. right? Like I don't remember anything that was like, shouldn't be happening, but just how adults are when they have a lot on their plates. But I don't really remember, you know, my mom being like, I'm going to go meditate, which She does now, but she didn't do when we were kids or I'm going to go take a bubble bath or mom's going to or dad's going to go take a nap. These things may have happened, but what I feel like I learned as a kid was go. You just like power through and you go Mm -hmm. and you don't get to complain about what's wrong. And. I'm, I'm, I'm now thinking about like how probably so many fights between my parents or when they would get mad at us were probably caused because their you know their tank their tank essentially of emotional capacity was like way was so depleted beyond empty yeah um so i i I say that because i'm like i I almost hear that from you right like how could it serve them to like actually see a mom who's modeling yeah i'm important and we got to take care of ourselves
1: Well, I think I am modeling it because I do meditate every morning. They know that like don't come into mom's room. But what I'm not necessarily doing is like narrating that Mm. like, oh, I'm getting my needs met. Like I have a set of needs and I got to get them met. You know, I think that that's the piece that's missing. And as I'm hearing you talk about it, I think that the practice for me may actually be acknowledging myself for what I'm already doing because I'm actually doing I'm actually doing a phenomenal job of taking care of myself with two little kids. Yeah. And it still feels like not enough because I, I have such a, my nervous system has such a low tolerance that I'm like, I I had this fantasy that if I could just meditate every morning that I, my kids would never trigger me. <laughs> <laughs> and like that fantasy did not play out. Spoiler alert. Right. So I am doing a phenomenal job of taking care of myself. Sure. There's always more room for it. Right. Like, but but I I built this beautiful life for myself where I'm getting a lot of my needs met a lot of the time. But A I'm not acknowledging myself for it because it never feels like enough because I'm still not showing up as this Zen mommy that I hoped. And B I, I I think I could narrate that them to that to them to myself and them more. <laughs> like great job getting your needs met today or great job like you know even though it was hard you carved out that time or. You know, the alarm went off and you didn't want to get up, but you did it anyway. Like really just acknowledging that for me. Because mm. I'm, I am naturally a martyr and I really have done a lot of work around that. And I've really, really like stepped up my game with myself. Well,
0: it's also to to come back to, you're already practicing a lot of things. Your light was like lower the gradient, yeah, which it sounds like a pretty low gradient activity to simply acknowledge what you're doing yeah. already, yeah. right? We're not asking you to do anything else, Yeah, but just to be with
1: yeah.
0: all that you are doing. Totally. Totally.
1: Yeah. I thought okay. that's I like volume to turn up.
0: Yeah. I'm also here, like, I'm also, I'm getting a lot of like, there's actually nothing wrong. Totally all yeah. the, 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 in the life you used to live. There was so much that was wrong, right? That yeah. the addictions and the unhappiness, you have a great husband. You have all these great practices to take care of yourself. You have a great business.
2: Yeah.
0: You have kids that, you know, like we haven't talked too much about them, but like that love you and that you love them and that your family works and that all the things that we've been talking about that in theory don't work or inside of your head.
1: Totally. Yeah. and that that is what I'm that's what I'm working on right now is that like it is wonderful and I still have my shit
0: totally like from the from the dark though right like totally so so let's just sit here so if we if we if we come back to your marriage and which we were you've surrendered to yeah if all you did going forward was um If you approached your husband or your marriage from light, is there a practice there based on like what we've kind of this journey we've been on?
1: Well, I think I'm practicing it and I, (laughs) I know I kind of keep saying that, but I said this to you before we started the call, like part of, I don't, again, I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg, right? But you invited me on this podcast. I knew that this was the thing to talk about because I knew this was the thing to talk about. I started talking about it in a new way I hadn't before. And then I brought it to my coach and then where I got with her was like to surrender this. And I'm like, well, shit, now can I go on Alice's podcast because I've surrendered this thing, you know? So to me, that really is the thing. It's like really, I think really accepting exactly how I am and loving that part of myself, that dark in, in particular, in the way it shows up in my marriage. Yeah is, is loving that part of myself because it's not going anywhere.
0: You, you touched on something too, that I think if for people that don't have coaches who have never done therapy, who maybe don't do transformational work or um, personal growth work, or even like plant medicine work Mm -hmm. often will, at least I do, I'll say to someone when they start working with me, or even when I'm about to do something, the journey just started. Yeah. Once you've said you've like said yes to something. The journey starts, even if you haven't done it yet. Yeah. So you said yes to this podcast, which for most people that are, is, is vulnerable. Like you're talking about something that's not working in your life, which is not something we do publicly. Yeah. And then it's like the the gears started turning, right. Which created something. And yeah. I often, when somebody signs up to work with me, I'm, I'm getting ready to go on an ayahuasca retreat. And I notice I'm having conversations about the things I want to, transform or heal and that and i haven't even it's like i haven't done it yet it's weeks away yeah and i don't think i don't i wish i'm, I'm so glad you said it because i don't think people realize often that that's the thing that kicks it off is that yeah. we say we keep saying no because we're not ready yeah we'll say no we'll say no i'm not ready to have that i don't have the money uh, i don't have the time but then we keep because we don't say yes we keep We like hoard that problem Mm -hmm. or that dilemma or that trauma. But as soon as we say, yes, it's like the doors got kicked open. Yeah. And the universe is just like, I got you now.
1: Totally. I think what I hear in that, or maybe another way of saying it is like, we think we know what it's going to take. So we say no to it. Mm -hmm. because we think in our heads, we're like, I know what I'm going to have to do. You know, I'm going to have to go sit in two hours of therapy. I'm going to have to like, you know, whatever it is. Right. We think we know. And what what you're saying is like, once you say yes, and this is my experience too, it does not take what you think it's going to take. It never does because there are some forces at work that are going to come in and do what they do. If you let them, it doesn't take what you think it's going to take, yeah. you know, it doesn't require you. Cause for me, it's like the way I get it, I, the way I used to get anything is to beat the crap out of myself to get it. So of course I'm not going to say yes to this because it's just going to be another place i beat the crap out of myself. Right. But now I'm like, well, I can say yes to this if I'm feeling called to it because I trust things are going to unfold and I don't have to use my sheer will and force and shame and all of that to get it, which is what I used to do.
0: Yeah, I think that's really common. We're taught, oh, you want something like write it down, make a list of all the things you have to do. Yep. Well, that list becomes overwhelming. Yeah. Never ending. And we actually don't just say yes to yeah. the thing. We we said yes to a list and a whole bunch of jobs,
1: right? Which are probably not going to get us the thing anyway because we're not letting the thing unfold. <laughs> we're like cock blocking the universe with all of our like over, you know,
0: well, which I, micromanagement creates the to come full circle. It for someone listening and being like, no, but like I've achieved all these things because of that. Yeah. So so did you, right? You became yeah. a lawyer. You became totally. a, and I think that's the the kind of mind fuck that we have to let go of is, no, it will. You can work your ass off and structure it and use your brain to create anything you sure. want in the solution. Yep. But when you do it that way, do you actually get what you wanted?
1: And it's Which, exhausting.
0: Yeah. Like you <laughs> wanted to be a lawyer. You wanted to be a mom. You wanted to get married for for not to be the lawyer to because you thought it would mean something else. Yeah. And. And I'm so, in just in this, how we, we do this and then we get in that loop. So we get the thing, but we don't get the thing that we really wanted. Yeah. Which is like what we're playing with, which I believe is like what the light is trying to tell us. It's like, yeah. hey, there's another way to get, Yeah, there's a whole nother way to get the marriage you want Yeah, or to be the Megan you want. Yeah. And it's not the, you know, beat yourself.
1: Yeah. Grind for it. You know? Yeah.
0: Work it was, at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, and this might be the last thing I say about it, but like, you know, as I was thinking about coming on this podcast, I was really present to, had I been on your podcast a year ago, the way I'd be speaking about this would be totally different. It would be like, let me tell you what a piece of shit I am, you know, and let me tell you all the ways I know what a piece of shit I am and all the ways I'm like trying to work on it. And now like, you heard me say that when you asked me about the dark, Mm -hmm. But I'm very present to like, I will not shame myself for this. I will not use shame as a defense, you know, like I, this is how I show up right now and it's okay.
0: So before you came on here, I asked you, I sent, I sent you like a questionnaire, right? Things. And one of the things you said when you talked about the success that you've achieved, Mm -hmm. is I asked you, what have you learned about yourself, life or business? making this success possible and you mm-hmm. said i've learned to embrace the unknown and hardest harness the greater wisdom of the universe mm-hmm. to support my life so i don't have to do it all totally i'm just I, I, that, I that's sitting on another screen and i'm like wow that's what she it's like you knew it's like you've known all along
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's been here the thing that actually has made you successful in all these other areas is the thing in this area too right it's just
1: i did i didn't think that though until recently i was like but this is different this i have to like beat the crap out of myself about to get like and that's when i was like oh yeah i'm doing the same thing because i thought even like surrender i was trying to perform right i was like okay i'm just gonna surrender it (laughs) but that means i have to control what an asshole i am i don't know
0: i'm just i'm just thinking as as a someone who you know who's in a relationship like oh, just what I want a partner who just beats himself up <laughs> <Is it> right <laughs> like, like super attractive and desirable like... <laughs> uh, and as a kid right like just what I want a mom who is just like horrible to herself I know so counterintuitive it's
1: so counterintuitive and yeah it's the way we got everything else in life so or at least the way I got everything else in life.
0: It, well, yeah, to a point, though, right? Like it yeah. was. It's. I think I'm looking at your life over here, going. There's the before and the at, there's there's two. If we're writing auto an autobiography of your life, it could be part one and part two. Part one is, right, like success through the should and the grind, and part yeah. two is like living from faith.
1: Yeah,
0: and trust.
1: Trust. Yeah, trusting in something bigger than myself. Trusting that something's unfolding that I can't see trust me, I don't have any answers, you know?
0: Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say or share before we Mm -hmm. wrap this up? Anything else you need?
1: Notes. That was, that was, that was perfect. And it was like, again, the perfect time to have this conversation in my life. This came up just at the right time. So thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Thank you. Um, First of all, thanks for, so partnering with me and making this first episode, right? I had no, I, I had no idea how this was going to go. I was just on a trip, and multiple times I was like, "What am I doing?" I just <laughs> like, not only am I asking people to come on and be so vulnerable and share something that's happening right now, right? It's not like let's talk about the thing that happened in your past. Yeah, that's yeah. that. There's some distance or space with, and I kept getting in my, "Who am I to do this?" Can I, is this okay? Um, And so thanks for being the perfect person for me to do this with the first time. Um, Cause I felt really, even though it was not your job, like I felt really safe. Hmm. Um, And just your your courage and your capableness and your resiliency is so apparent that like, just as we started, I was like, oh, this is going to go well, and exactly how it's supposed to go, I don't need to actually do anything here, yeah, I just get to hang out with her and play around and ask some questions and look at stuff for myself right at the same time, like, how am I doing this? so thank you for being that partner um you know as well as a as guest on this show. If people want, I, I'm not gonna ask everyone, you know, people that they come on the show might not wanna be like reached out to, might yeah. not put their information. Do you wanna share if people wanna reach out to you? Do you want to share yeah.
1: information? Yeah. So MeganSmithcoaching.com is the best place to find me. I'm on Instagram at coach Megan Smith. Um, that's where you can reach out to me. Uh or reach out to Alex. He knows how to reach me. <laughs> um, I'd love I, you know, if you hear something that resonates for you, reach out. Uh, I'd love to chat with you.
0: Megan, thanks again so much for coming on here and just the the courage and the bravery and bring all the emotions and all the truth um, and just the full spectrum of of who you are the the dark and the light. I'm super Thank grateful. You. And Thank you. you're welcome, listeners. Anybody, um, please, you know, so much came up on this episode about being a mother, about being a a, a partner or a wife, about trying to get it right and do all the things and the, the, the thoughts we think that are not pleasant. Um, if you know somebody who should listen to this, please share it with them. And if you're sitting there going, wait, I want to be on this show. Feel free to reach out to me, Alex at the dream Mason.com. Uh, you can go to the dream to get more information. Um, and we can have a conversation about you possibly being a guest. Otherwise, thank you for listening. I'm just, I'm really grateful. Episode one and is done. and In the can. See you, see you next time. Thank you for listening to Playing With Problems. I'm so grateful to you and our guests who are willing to come on and talk about and share so vulnerably. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe and leave us a review. And if you're a successful person who thinks you have a challenge or problem that you want to come on this show and talk about, or if you're a successful person and you feel like a more intimate, personal one-on-one conversation is more right for you. Please reach out to Problems at thedreammason.com. Thank you for listening to Playing With Problems.